Welcome into the left turn here on KZLX LP Maryville. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater with you as we are back for the fall 2019 semester here at Northwest. Had a summer break, had a podcast come out last week, but first time back live on the air. How you doing, Trevor? I'm doing great. Glad to be back on the air. Uh, we're getting into the most exciting part of NASCAR season. I think all of it's exciting, but I think it kind of goes without saying that once you get to talking playoffs and crunch time, that's when it's the most exciting, and, and we're we're just about there. We're, we're just about there. We're in there. We're, we're in the, the playoffs with the trucks. The IndyCar series is winding down, and that's where we're going to start today's show is with the IndyCar series. Why? Because they probably had the best race of the weekend. Is It came down to just about three-tenths of a – or three – I mean, it was a half a car length between Ed Carpenter and Takuma Sato at Gateway. That was the finish of the race, but just that race as a whole. It was a little bit odd. It was a little bit weird. But when really isn't an IndyCar race like that with all the strategies? Yeah, you know, I didn't get the uh, opportunity to watch it Saturday, but I, I read some of the recap and stuff of it yesterday, and you were kind of filling me in, and you said, well, it was a weird race. There were a, lot of, a handful of different guys that had a chance to win it at one point or looked like they had the fastest car. And there was a lot of strategy, and I thought, well, what's different between that race and just about any other race that the IndyCar Series puts on? Definitely at ovals, it seems like, um, or tracks that they're new to, such as Coda this year, Portland last year. Sometimes those races kind of create some, I wouldn't say surprise winners, but maybe not people that you thought would win. And isn't it kind of fitting that you know all the discussion and stuff we had last week about what went on at Pocono, about Takuma Sato and everything there that he ends up getting the win it's just kind of it's the way it works i guess it it is the way it, it seems to work that way in racing it's the same idea where when two guys get in a fight yeah. the week before they're more likely than not going to start on the same row the next week we, we've seen that plenty of times but i, I mean early in the race you, you thought it was going to be a, a pinsky battle between will power simon pagino and joseph newgarden it was those three cars and, and what I think the best thing that puts this race into perspective is there's 22 total cars in this field, 11 drivers, at least one lap in this race. Yeah, and you look at it, Santino Ferrucci, a young man who led 97 laps, I think he is going to win an IndyCar race sometime in the next year or so. I don't know what team it's going to be in. There's a lot of rumors floating around about his possible future, but he has shown the last couple weeks, you know, at Gateway and at Pocono, that he has what it takes to to be really successful at the IndyCar circuit. Joseph Newgarden, you mentioned he led 50 laps. James Hinchcliffe, one of his better showings for the year. He's had kind of an up-and-down year. He led 20 laps, not the finish he was hoping for. First car lap down in 12th, but still he led 20 laps. And then a handful of guys led at least one lap. Will, Cow- Will Powers, Sebastian Bourdais, Marcus Erickson, um, Felix Rosenqvist, Marco Andretti. So, yeah. I think there were 13 lead changes in total, so just a, a pretty all-around good race. Well, in the, the start of this race, you ended up in a, a situation where Takuma Sato, Ryan hunter James Hinchcliffe, they almost took all each other out again. Can it, you imagine the backlash it, if that would have happened? You had, and Alexander Rossi was there as well. He was looking to the inside of, of Felix, and it was Felix, Felix Rosen because there as well. All five of those guys are right there around each other. Those are the five involved last week felix takuma and ryan hunter ray are three wide alexander rossi thinks about making it four wide he backs out felix gets loose that makes takuma sato get loose i don't think ryan hunter ray and sato ever made contact but it was close and we almost took all those guys out again which that would have been 
crazy. Yeah, it that, wild, but good thing it didn't happen. That would have that would have been really interesting. I can only imagine how well that would have went over if it happened. But fortunately for everyone involved, it it didn't happen. And when I look at the the rundown and stuff of Saturday nights, I see a couple of guys that normally we anticipate will run really well, definitely late in the season. Then ended up running into some bad luck. Will Power ended up crashing out, and then Scott Dixon, a very uncharacteristic um, bad finish for Dixon. He had overheating issues, and then eventually he had to go to the pits for a while, went to the garage, made some repairs, came back out for a little bit, but then ultimately was unable to finish the race with those. And for both Scott and really with, with Will, it was a long shot, but, but Scott was right there in that championship battle. He's going to need a lot of help now. I don't think he's mathematically ineligible yet, no. but, but practically that his he's, championship hopes are over with two races to go. He needs a – it's almost a winning – a winner go home he scenario. Need, he needs Portland two wins week. plus help. Yeah, he, he definitely needs a win this week to get back in the fray. And then, I mean, you know, he, you look at it in the grand scheme of things, he's only 24 points behind Alexander Rossi in third. And 32 points behind Simon Pagano in second. Joseph Newgarden right now currently the points leader. So he would need something to happen to Newgarden to really have a chance to get back into it. Um, but you never know that could happen. And then you throw in the double points at Laguna Seca. He's not completely out of it, but he wouldn't be the betting favorite right now by any means. It makes it a little bit interesting because Scott Dixon has the ability to, on that, that last race where it's, it's double points at Laguna Seca to – make things interesting but I, I think where he's at now like i said he needs a lot of help he needs he needs pagino rossi and new garden to all run into trouble at portland while while he goes out and wins and that's what he's going to need i don't think all three have trouble he may get some help from one or the other but but not just one yeah he he can make it interesting but that might have pretty much just tanked his championship dreams of would it be six for him Yes, I believe so. It would be championship number six. I, I think the other thing with this this race was you, you had stretches where, like I said earlier, early in the race it was Simon Pagano, it was you know Joseph Newgarden who was up front, and you thought Joseph was going to run away with it, but just it's IndyCar. You get some weird strategies, and the strategy worked out for for guys like Santino Ferrucci, Takuma Sato, Ed Carpenter, Tony Kanaan. Connor Daly. Connor Daly just drove the wheels off that car. It wasn't really strategy with him. Yeah, he it was, looked good. He, he drove the wheels off that car. I think, and I think it was uh, Robin Miller said this in one of his articles. Is he's seen enough that Connor Daly needs to be full time next year? I agree. Whether it's with Carlin or with another team, whether it's with McLaren, we talked about that on our, our podcast a week ago. Where if you want to go check that podcast out, it's available on, on all sorts of podcast streaming services. Uh, but with Connor McLaren, he, he might have a spot there. If I'm McLaren, I'm looking at Connor and what he's done in that Carlin car. That, that, that Carlin car is one of the worst on the grid. Everyone yeah. knows that, and he goes out there and finishes sixth. Yeah, and you look at what he's done. I believe it was his fifth start in the Carlin car this year. Um, they had started with Max Chilton earlier on in the year. Chilton finishes 16th, 21st, 22nd, 14th, 18th, 17th, 15th, then 16th and 14th, 16th. So Max Chilton's best finish of the year was a 14th in that car. Connor Daly has driven it at Texas, as well as Iowa, Pocono, Gateway, so he's been their oval guy. Um, 11th at Texas, 13th at Iowa, 11th at Pocono, 6th at Gateway. So his worst finish in that car is still better than Max Chilton's best finish 
Um, and I believe, did he drive a fifth car for Andretti at Indy, at, too? At Indy. We don't know who's going to drive that. The, the Carlin team has kind of been announcing their racers each week, so we don't quite know if Connor will be in that car for Portland. We do know that Connor is going to get an opportunity in that, that fifth Andretti car at Laguna Seca. He's going to basically drive the same car he drove at Indy. Obviously not the same package, but he's going to get one opportunity in that ride. And if he hasn't already had a team that has contacted him about next year, that is the race that he'll want to really you know, probably run a, get, a, get a top five if he can in that Andretti car. And he's bounced around a lot from different teams. Um, you know, he was at AJ Foyt for a while, Dale Coyne. Um, he just hasn't been able to run some races for Schmidt-Peterson back in 2015. He just hasn't been able to get that firm ride, and he's shown that he's he's capable of going out there and competing and finishing the top five as a handful of podium finishes in his career. Um, but he just hasn't been able to to get that stability that a lot of these guys need. So hopefully Connor ends up somewhere. The other driver that really impressed me and, and has been the best rookie all year, I know Colton Hurd has got that one win at Coda early in the season, but Santino Ferrucci has been the best rookie this year and really, to me, probably had the fastest car of the race. And he led 97 laps before a slow pit stop, put him back a little bit further. But without that slow pit stop, I think, we weren't talking about Takuma Sato and Ed Carpenter with a four hundredth of a second between them at the end. We're talking about Santino Ferrucci running away with that, that win. And he's shown that he is a really good oval racer. I mean, you, you look at his oval finishes this season, seventh of the Indy 500 in his first time running the Indy 500 um, and was really pretty darn impressive in that fourth at Texas and then back-to-back fourth place finishes at Pocono and Gateway and he had a car at Pocono that I think might have been the second or third best car um the weather came and, and stuff and he ended up finishing fourth but he has shown that he's definitely a really good oval racer maybe a little bit of room improvement on the the road and street courses but still he's a rookie what do you expect and then the other the two other big stories on the podium is obviously Takuma Sato gets that win, and then the story with that, with the Pocono crash, we went over that a little bit earlier, but Ed Carpenter finishing second. We always see him run. He only runs the ovals for his own team, but we always see him run really good at Indy, and then the last several years, everywhere else, he's just been a non-factor. Where this year he's run better, but then especially here at Gateway, practice it looked like the same thing, where he was just going to be multiple laps down because it was bad in practice got that car fixed up and, and then had a shot to win at the end of the race yeah you go back like 2011 to 2014 oval ed carpenter anytime you went to fontana or texas or kentucky that was one of the the safer picks to win in the last couple years he just hasn't had his oval program where he'd won it had a good run at pocono and then bounced back and almost got the win at gateway so I'm sure he was pretty happy with it. He's um, done for the season, obviously, being done with the ovals. But, yeah, an exciting one for him. And then I think I know where you're going with the other podium finish, which was also cool to see. Tony Kanaan in the A.J. Foyt number 14 gave a boost to a team that probably didn't needed one more than anyone else. Is That, that Foyt team has just been terrible this season. They've been atrocious. Yeah. I mean, A.J. Foyt's not even showing up to races anymore. He doesn't want to be there. And for Tony Kanaan to go out there, and and he, he said a break finally fell their way, and then they were able to take advantage of it. And it wasn't like he got up there and then dropped right back. He was up there fighting for the win, 
lost a little bit of, of his tires late there and had to settle for third. But uh, Tony Kanaan getting a third place run, you know, the, the talk with him is: is he going to retire? Is he going to get one more year? But but getting a third place finish, not only good for Tony Kanaan, but great for that AJ Foyt team. And if if you're Tony Kanaan, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he should retire or anything, but he's got nothing else to prove. I mean, he's a former champion. He's an Indy 500 champion. I mean, he's he's got nothing else to prove if he does choose to walk away. But it was cool to see him, you know, go out there and, and get a good run. And the AJ Foyt Racing just in the last 10 years has not really been there. Um, it doesn't matter who they put in that car. They they seem to to struggle a bit. I mean, we've seen them put Tony Kanaan, I believe, did Takuma Sato drive that car for a little while. Um, they've went with a handful of different guys, and they just haven't been what they they used to be. And now you, you want to talk about some other drivers that th- there's questions about where they will be next season, and they didn't have great runs. You look at a guy like Marcus Erickson. He was on a one-year deal with Aeroschmidt-Peterson. It looked kind of likely he would be back until McLaren gets in the fray, and now it looks like Marcus is, is going to be out, and he's trying to show teams that, that he needs to be in a ride and wants to stay in IndyCar. But a 16th place run, bringing out a couple cautions, it's really not going to do it for that, that driver, that number seven. Yeah, he's kind of had the season that I guess you should expect a rookie to have. I mean, you know, we've talked about how impressive Santino Ferrucci's been. You know, Colton Herta had started the season off really strong. It's kind of fizzled out lately. But Felix, Mark, Felix has shown a ton of speed. And Felix has shown a ton of speed and just been inconsistent. But Marcus Erickson's had, you know, one or two races where he's been a been really fast, and then he's had races where he just hasn't been a part of it all. He had a runner-up finish earlier on this year. It's escaping me. Where was it? Toronto? There was somewhere he finished second at earlier this year, um, but he's, he's just been so up and down that I think if you gave him another year or two, you would see some improvement, but um, McLaren's going to come in, and they're going to want their own guys. So, And then the other driver kind of in that same boat, Spencer Piggott, is Spencer, he did the not for sure he's coming back to Ed Carpenter Racing, and he's just not putting down those results. He ends up with a 21st place finish after a crash. Not necessarily his doing. It was a, an incident with Charlie Kimball in the 23 car, but Spencer, another just not a good run for him, and I think I'd like to see him back. I think he's got a lot of talent, and he's just got to start putting those races together. Yeah, and you look at his season so far, he's got a couple top fives, ran well at the Grand Prix, ran well at Iowa, ran well at Mid-Ohio. Um, but it's crashed out the last two weeks, also crashed out in the, the second race at Detroit. So it's just kind of been an up-and-down season for him. But when he's not running in the top five or top six, he's really been struggling. Finishes a 17th, 18th, 21st, 17th, 21st. Um, it's kind of been a, a Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde season for Spencer Piggott. So that, that is gateway again. Takuma Sato beats Ed Carpenter by four hundredths of a second at the line, the closest finish at gateway, also known as... I think Worldwide Technologies Raceway now, but we're calling it Gateway. Gateway. Did you so. see the the name of the ra- the K and N race, like the official K and N? I did not. I have to find it, but um, it was a mouthful. But again, Takuma Sato wins. Ed Carpenter second. Tony Kanaad third. Santino Ferrucci fourth. Then you get to some of your championship contenders. Simon Pagano finished fifth. Connor Daly sixth. Joseph Newgarden seventh. Ryan Hunter Ray, 8th, Colton Hurd, a ninth, and then Marco Andretti finished in the 10th position. And now you look at those standings uh, for the IndyCar Series. Joseph Newgarden still holds on to that number one spot. He is 30, 
eight points ahead of Simon Pagano. So Alexander Rossi falls to third with that 46th place finish. He ended up with a 12th place run. Scott Dixon now 70 back. So with that double points race, he, he's still in contention right now. But behind that, Will Power down to 147 back. So it's really down to those top four. Yeah, and as we talked about earlier, Scott Dixon's going to need some help. Um, Joseph Newgarden's in the driver's seat. I think this week is almost bigger for him than Laguna Seca because you want to have as much cushion going into the double point stay at Laguna Seca. So a big a big run at Portland would put him in a really good spot going into the championship race. Now we'll talk about Portland. That is this weekend. So back-to-back races here for the IndyCar Series. It'll be at 2 o'clock on NBC. It is the Grand Prix of Portland. It's the second race since Portland was put back on the schedule. Last last year, Scott Dixon saved his championship by somehow not hitting anything in an opening opening lap crash. Still to this day, don't know how he pulled yeah, it I don't. I I just went back and watched that earlier, and I I, have, I still don't know how he did it. But with a with a one race sample size per se from the, this race track, there's not a lot we really know about who's good here, who's bad here. Everyone's only got one race in notes. So when, when you talk about Portland, what are, what are some of the who are some of the guys you, you see running up front? Um, well, I think you you got to go with Takuma Sato, who won the race last year and won at Gateway. So I mean, he's got a little bit of confidence and momentum going, and he's shown he knows how to get around the track. Alexander Rossi had a solid run there last year, led some laps, ended up not having the finish he was hoping for. Simon Pagano has been pretty well on the road courses this year as well. And then I think you got to throw in Scott Dixon as well, just the experience. And um, it's kind of hard to count Scott Dixon out. And he normally doesn't have two bad weeks in a row and he's coming off really bad weeks. So I would say probably Dixon, Pagano, as well as Sato are probably the three that I would, and Rossi, the four that I would really keep an eye on this week. And so with the IndyCar points for the left turn in competition where Trevor and I have decided we're going to pick every race, it swung in Trevor's favor last from, from Pocono. It swung into his favor, and he continues opening up his points lead. As last week, he took Simon Pagano. He finished fifth. I took Joseph Newgarden. He finished seventh. So this week, heading into Portland, Trevor's got a 460 to 419 point lead. So Trevor, who, do you, who are you picking this week well, at Pocono? I'm points racing. So I'm going to take Scott Dixon. Uh, I just I don't see him having two bad weeks in a row. I don't know that he's going to win, um, but I feel like he's probably going to finish in the top five, try to get himself back into his own championship chase. So I'm going to take Scott Dixon at, this weekend at Portland. And I'm going to go with Alexander Rossi. I think that he knows he's got to win a championship. There's a lot he wants to to get out of this race. He's got to get that points gap down heading into Laguna Seca. He's one of the quickest drivers in the field, obviously, as he's in that points battle. But I think this is a – he likes those he, – he's still kind of getting used to the ovals. I know he's he's very bold at the ovals, but the road courses are his bread and butter. It's where he likes to, to get things done. And I think a, a fired-up Alexander Rossi who knows he's still got a chance at the championship is someone who I like at Portland. It's going to be fun. It was so, a fun race last year. I expect it to be the same this year. The question is, can they get through the opening lap? Let's hope so. Let's hope so. We're, we're, we here like good racing. We're not necessarily fans of guys piling up and turn one on the opening lap. Yeah, and on the opening lap. If you want to do it on the final restart of the race to make it more exciting, but, I mean, the opening lap's just, yeah, let's not do that. 
We're going to go ahead and take a quick break here on the left turn. When we get back, we're going to transition, talk about some road course racing from the truck series here on the left turn on KZLX. Welcome back to the left turn. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater with you here on KZLX. And we just start. We just finished talking about the IndyCar series who were on an oval. We're going to kind of play backwards week as the truck series and Xfinity series were on the road courses. So you, you look at the truck series. They were at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, kind of backwards with them as well. Xfinity ran on Saturday. The trucks got the spotlight on Sunday. So start with that truck race on Sunday. And the, the race there at Most Sport has been historic for having crazy wild finishes oh, this one wasn't the case brett moffitt was just too good for the rest of the field they're in championship form aren't they they're, they're the only team right now that i would say is, is i mean there. right now it's it's brett moffitt and then it doesn't really matter i mean the way they've been putting things together um he just he looked dialed in on sunday and he's not i wouldn't say he's not a great road racer because we don't really know because he doesn't come from a road racing background. You know, grew up racing dirt, dirt tracks in Iowa, worked his way up through the ranks in the K&N and ARCA series before, you know, landing in NASCAR. Isn't a guy that you would think of as a great road racer, but he just put on a clinic on Sunday, and it probably helps to be a great road racer when you have a really fast truck, too. And again, Brett Moffitt picks up the win. He led 54 laps in this race so he, he really was able of the to 64 yeah so he was he dominated i'm sorry he led 44 of the 64 so excuse me there but it was a dominating performance the only reason he didn't lead more is because he was he was really running his strategy to win the race as some others were running to to get those stage points those playoff drivers as this was the second race of the first round of the playoffs for the gander outdoor truck series but again brett moffett wins alex tagliani finished second in his one-off race for kyle bush motorsports ben rhodes finished in the third position sheldon creed finished fourth austin hill was your next best playoff driver with a fifth place run johnny sauter was sixth Stuart friesen seventh ross chastain eighth tyler ankrum ninth and then rafael assard the 54 truck actually finished a race this week my man it didn't mean it didn't have an incident was it the? I guess he spun out early. He in spun the race. out early, but a top ten for that fifty-four truck. It's the first top ten they've had all season. That's then, the first. Well, I mean, because the best finish they had had before was twelfth at Martinsville with David Gill, and um, the record Natalie Decker, her best finish of the year was thirteenth. So, yeah, Raphael Lassard, he's been quietly kind of impressive in his in, truck series races. I mean, nothing that'll like blow you away. But for a, a rookie who's 17, 18 years old, he's been all right. But I, I think well, we, we see this on Twitter. I think the 54 truck has been involved 19, in 19 incidents this year, whether it's practice qualifying, races. things that have happened on the racetrack that didn't necessarily have a caution because at, at some point you have to stop throwing cautions for the 54 truck. But it, it's... You think we'd have met that point by now. It, the it's just that team that had to be a good boost for that team to be like hey we finished a race we got a top 10 now let's go keep getting better yeah let's get the truck ready let's get the trucks ready for natalie decker in vegas in a couple weeks 
But Matt Matt Crafton finished 11th, and then Grant Enfinger, the worst of the playoff drivers, he finished in 13th. But I think this race... He just the, hasn't looked good. The, the, the most exciting thing of this race was the battle between your playoff drivers, because 5th through 9th. And then you had Matt Crafton at 11th. Grant Enfinger, for the most part, was up there in that 6th to 10th group the whole race and then fell back to 13th but those playoff drivers minus brett moffitt were really going at it throughout the the mid pack and it was one of those races where it wasn't much fun wasn't a lot of good racing going on up front because you could just wave goodbye to brett moffitt and and he was he was out for a, a sunday drive and really didn't have to do a whole lot but everyone else was really battling back there for really fourth on back because Alex Tagliani really had second sewn up and then Ben Rhodes was pretty solid there in third. But but that battle fourth through about thirteenth was was really good all race long. And that was that was the best part of the race was watching that battle from about fourth to thirteenth. You know it's gonna be really fun to watch at Las Vegas. The bubble. Oh it's a mess. It's I mean you Moffitt's in obviously with the two wins and then Chastain is Sitting pretty comfortably, but at the same time, it's Ross Chastain in a race car. And, so and there's 60 points. A race is 60 yeah. points for a max. And he's, so. I mean, he's 40 points from eighth. So that's eighth, not the cut line. I mean, he's 28 above the cut line. So he's sitting well, but then you look at the rest of them. Man, I don't. That's going to be fun. So Brett Moffat is locked in to the next round of the playoffs. He's now racking up those playoff points, so he's going to be pretty well set in the round of six. Ross Chastain right now, he's got a solid gap on the cut line, but still nothing to be real comfortable with. I think it's 32 points he sits above that cut, or 38. 28. 28 points. Yep. So, I so can't do math today. Apparently not. Um, I can't do math hardly I couldn't, any day. I, I couldn't so. do math before we started the show, yeah. and now I'm – Trying to yeah, do he's, math he's here. 28 above the cut line. Um, so he's sitting. You mentioned with I mean, 60 points is at play there. If you win the race and win all, you win the stages. So he's not in a position to make any mistakes, but he also doesn't have to go out and be stupid. He doesn't need to go out and finish second or third. He can finish 12th and be okay. Now everyone else, that's a different story because you look at where everyone sits right now. And you have that bubble. Stuart Friesen, six points above the cut line. Matt Crafton, five. Austin Hill, four. Grant Enfinger, two. Johnny Sauter's two back. And then Tyler Ankrum's the one that's got a lot of work and to do right now. Don't but, count out Tyler Ankrum, though, at Las Vegas. You know, he won at Kentucky earlier this year. He looked really good at Texas. He's been good on those mile-and-a-half cookie-cutter-like tracks this season. Um, he could go out there and play spoiler, and then you know if Tyler Ankrum ends up winning, then that bubble would get a lot tighter between Friesen, Crafton, Hill, and Finger and Sauter, and two of them would end up out instead of one. So all you know at this moment is that Brett Moffitt's in, Ross Chastain's probably in, but uh, you could draw names out of a hat for the other four spots and have a better chance of getting it right. And really, that three through seven is like we said. Ankrum has the he, he can he but he can do it. He doesn't need to win. He can do it. If but he, he need a little bit of help. But if he needs he, some help. Everyone else can get it done on their own. Even yeah. even Johnny Sauter. He's just two points back from the cut line. He can get it done by. He doesn't need to go win. I mean, he could finish eighth and, and find himself moving on. So Las Vegas is going to be a wild race for the playoffs. Unfortunately, we've got to wait about three weeks for that. I think September thirteenth. September is so two and a half weeks. And then here's my biggest pet peeve with the Truck Series schedule. So we get done with the round of eight on September 13th. 
They get a whole month off. And the Truck Series comes back on October 12th at Talladega. It, it's ridiculous. In the past, though, it's that they've had that break, and it's been in the middle of, of the playoff I think round. it's still ridiculous. I don't... I agree. It's a ridiculous. month. A month is two. If you want to go two weeks, that's fine. Um, but we've seen the truck series. They do that for some reason. Um, you go back earlier in the year. They ran at Texas on March 29th. Don't turn around and run again until May 3rd at Dover. And then they ran three weekends in a row. Yeah, it's. And and I get they're trying to the, the tracks they run. They're following the Cup schedule or the Xfinity schedule, but throw in and this is where at some point I want to see more short tracks. Throw in, in a series. Nashville Fairgrounds. Throw in a, a second gateway. Yeah, or if, Pensacola if or, you know, something like that. I and mean, then, South Boston. And I know they want these tracks 100% up to NASCAR standards, but, and this may not be a popular statement, local short track drivers are, are driving on these tracks every every weekend. The, the trucks don't need South Boston to go put in safer barriers to go race on that track. Maybe there's some there, there's probably some things there in most tracks, and I say this about a lot of weekly short tracks, is there's one danger spot at every single short track that you've got to look out for. There's one spot where, like, that really isn't that safe. They need to get that fixed. Maybe whatever that spot is at some of these tracks, at a Pensacola or at a Nashville, I, right now I know exactly where Nashville would have to get something fixed as they sit right now. But we don't need to make these tracks put in safer barriers. The, the, the short tracks, they're not going fast enough yeah. for, for it to – I mean, yeah, it's going to be a hard hit. But let's get the trucks to more short tracks, kind of go back to where they were and and I mean, that's how throw that's, those races in. If they end up with 26 races, but in between the, the Texas and the Dover, you throw in the fairgrounds. That's how that series started. You go back looking at the 1998 truck series schedule. 27 races total, which now they're in 23, I believe. Homestead, Phoenix, Watkins Glen, Texas, Bristol, New Hampshire. Okay, those are cool. They didn't run Daytona at that point. I mean, the the biggest tracks they ran was Las Vegas. Then there were tracks like Mesa Marin, Memphis. Um, they did run the road course at Topeka. Go back to IRP. I think that track's still open, isn't it? It is, and guess what? It has safer barriers. Yeah, because they used to run there. I mean, the Xfinity Series ran there that, up until that, that 2012. Is, that is one track I will never under... I mean, I, I understand they wanted the Xfinity Series going to Indy, but why the trucks were pulled from that track, I well, will never understand. My thing, too, you look at, okay, some of the tracks the K&N Series runs at. Why can't the Truck Series run there? I mean, take them... Or ARCA, what's the difference between... An ARCA car. I mean, I know there's a lot of difference between them, but you're there saying. There won't be next year. Yeah, yeah, but you're saying it's fine that ARCA is fine to go here, but you don't want the trucks here. Take them to Elko. Take them to um, Colorado. Berlin. You know, yeah, Berlin. That was the one I was thinking of. Take them to some of those tracks for Salem, one. Salem, Winchester. Salem, yeah. This Declan. list can go you on. You could and name, on. you know, take, if you want to go back to, if you want to add another dirt race, take them to Knoxville. Be a great place. I've said all along, and we talked about this when we were watching Eldora a couple weeks ago. Put, you, they, we've talked about the chance of there being some revisions to the schedule in 2021. Truck Series race at, El, at Knoxville on Friday. Sandy race at Newton on Saturday. Cup race on Sunday or go Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Would be a major hit. Go back to your roots. I I don't want to see the trucks at Texas twice, which I'm glad they got rid of. I don't really care to see them at Texas once. 
Um, or no, they did go to Texas twice. They just moved. They moved it up. That's right. I don't care to see them go to Vegas twice. I'm glad they don't go to Kentucky twice anymore. Um, I don't think they need a lot of mile and a halfs on the on the circuit for the truck series. I'm biased. I want them to keep Kansas, but other than that, I'd be fine if they got rid well, of them. Well, in Kansas, because of the way Kansas is, is one of the best mile and a half out. Kansas there. and Michigan are the two. Why are they going to Pocono? That's a great I question. Mean, you and I could sit down and revise this truck series schedule. Here's here's my other complaint. Why don't they go to Bristol twice? Why do they yeah. only go to Bristol once? Because yeah, if I you don't... watch the truck race from Bristol, that was great. Great race. So it, hopefully we'll get some revisions. But, you know, again, it, it's all started with we've got to wait three weeks. And then after that, you've got to wait a it, month. For, it just gets me angry. It's got to get these teams angry too, because they're in the middle of a championship battle, and you kind of instead of just you know, well, look at getting like in a Brett rhythm. Moffitt. You know, he's won two races in a row. He's on fire right now, and now some of that momentum slows down a little bit because they've got to wait two weeks. Have you ever been watching a basketball game and someone yes. goes into halftime and is absolutely on fire? You come back out, and all of a sudden they they yeah. can't keep I mean, it going. I think lose. it's a real thing. I mean, and I, I mean, Brett Moffitt's sitting well. Like, it doesn't matter what happens for him at Las Vegas. He's on to the round of six. But you never know. I mean, it could slow him down a little bit. So I'm fine if we want to take one week off. You know, if you want to go every other week, whatever. But do we really need two and a half weeks followed by a month? No, throw some short tracks in there. You don't need to find some of the other NASCAR tracks. Throw some short tracks in there. And I think the races at Kentucky and Bristol have shown that Thursday night truck races are pretty popular. Um, I do some Thursday nights and Eldora too. Thursday night, I mean, I people will watch racing any day of the week if you put it on. Absolutely, they will. It's I no, do. it's no different than the people that want to watch racing will watch racing if it's on a Wednesday night or if it's on a. It's like football. There's football on like four or five days a week now because people want to watch it. The true race fans will watch racing. On Tuesday night, they'll go. They'll to go. races. Yeah, on Tuesday night. You know, if there was a Knox, if there was a race at Knoxville on a Thursday night for the Truck Series, I would highly contemplate going, even if I had to work Friday morning. I'm pretty sure if there was a dirt race in Knoxville, I would be there. I, well, it would, it's, it's close enough. I would have to be at work really early Friday morning to not go. Even then, I might just pull an all nighter. But I mean, that's people will turn out for those. It's a common misconception that they won't. But get back to the most sport real quick. Is Alex Tagliani, Ben Rhodes, those were our two picks. Alex Tagliani finished second. Ben Rhodes finished third. So truck points-wise for us stayed fairly normal. Yeah. Somehow I'm winning that all of a sudden. Yeah, I gained one point. Well, because Ross Chastain kind of screwed me at Michigan. Um, with that accident on pit road, that's kind of really where it started hurting for me. And then the last couple of weeks, I think I've finished ahead of you each of the last two weeks, but by like, w- no, you picked Chandler Smith at Bristol. That's right. Um, but we've just been so close to each other that I can't, can't really do anything. So now we'll talk about the other road course of the weekend road America with the Xfinity series and, and real quick to get it out of the way. Cause I know so many people care is 
I picked Austin Cindric. He finished second. I'm mad. And, and Trevor picked Matt DiBenedetto, who ended up 27th. He was running second on the final lap. Um, there were in that race. There were a lot of contenders that that had issues. You look at AJ Allmendinger ended up wrecking. You had De Benedetto who ended up off the track late. But then you end up with with Christopher Bell, and to me, the most unlikely wins of his whole season. Yeah. Picking up his sixth win of the season, Christopher Bell takes the win. Austin Sendrick, he finishes second. Tyler Reddick, third. Noah Gragson, fourth. Kaz Grala, fifth. Justin Haley, sixth. Chase Briscoe, seventh. Jeremy Clemens, eighth. Justin Allgaier, tenth. Or sorry, Justin Allgaier, ninth. And Cole Custer rounded out your top ten. But some of those other drivers, A.J. Allmendinger, 24th. Matt DiBenedetto, 27th. And it was, we really, Brandon Jones was 16th. But with Matt DiBenedetto, we really thought having that opportunity in that 18 car after one week after almost winning at Bristol would go out and really kind of dominate this race. If I could have probably picked first, I might have gone with him, but I had to. Should have let you. Had to go he second. Had, I mean, he had a fast car. It wasn't like he didn't have a fast car. He just made a mistake at the end and cost him a ton of spots. But that's racing. Yeah, you, 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 you make a mistake at the end, you lose racing. And on a track that's really a track four miles long, a lot of cars are going to be left on the lead lap. And a race that's only forty-five laps because the track's so long, a lot of cars are going to be left on the lead lap. So you have a, a late race incident, you're not going to get that back. It's not like Bristol, where Justin Allgaier has a flat tire with a few to go and ends up eighth. Yeah, I mean Matt DiBenedetto spins Matt DiBenedetto. Spins out, running second, finishes 27th. But that that race was, I mean, it was eventful. But it, it was fairly straightforward. Some of the, the fastest guys had, had issues, and then Christopher Bell ends up with the win. He led 10 laps in that race. A.J. Allmendinger also led 10 laps, and then Matt Benedetto was your lap leader with 18 laps led. So, again, it was your fast guys had trouble, and Christopher Bell took advantage of it. I think... This win, more than any other, has shown that Chris Rebell is ready for Cup. Because um, when you think of Chris Rebell, you don't think road course racer. He's been surprisingly well um, at the road courses this year between Watkins Glen, Mid-Ohio, and then Road America. You know, Won at Road America, finished second at Watkins Glen, had a solid run, finished second at Mid-Ohio. So three road course races, and he's got two wins. He's got a win in two seconds. Um, he's shown that he can definitely handle it and we've talked about this we talked about this on the podcast last week but the playoffs are pretty much sewn up is it's going to be tyler reddick christopher bell cole custer with, with wins austin Cindric with a win michael annette with a win and then you're gonna have chase briscoe with a win chase briscoe with a win but then justin allgaier noah gregson justin haley john hunter brandon jones and ryan sieg will be your playoff field there's really not enough time for Greg Galding in that 13th position to, to catch up to Ryan Sieg. No, he's 118 points back with, is it two races, I believe, till the playoff, two or three. Um, he's, he's, I, he's almost mathematically eliminated. The only way then is if you, if you win. Um, they've got Darlington and Indy 
I know before, and then I think maybe is Vegas the cutoff. I think Vegas is the cutoff. So they got three races. So mathematically, it's still possible. But but it's they almost got to win a guy like Greg Alding or Jeremy Clements or Brandon Brown, um, and that would be pretty unlikely at Darlington, Indianapolis, or Las Vegas. So yeah, it's probably set. Not completely set, but it's pretty set. And. That that makes that that brings up an argument at least with the Xfinity field. You get to the trucks where it almost felt like eight wasn't enough. Yeah. But in the Xfinity series, it feels like twelve is too many. So do they do you cut it down to ten? Do you cut it down to eight, or do you you just leave it at twelve and kind of call it a weird year? But we've had this before where really you're like, okay, really there's only nine guys that that deserve to be in a playoff. And we've seen that. Yeah, you go back to this is the fourth year of the Xfinity series playoff, and every year there's been guys where when they get in the playoff, you instantly know, okay, they're not they're not really a threat to do anything. Um, you don't have that problem in, say, the Cup Series, even with 16, because a lot of times those guys, even if they're towards the back, points-wise, they've won races and stuff. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't think they'll cut down to 10. I would like to see them maybe just go a uniform 10 with the trucks and the Xfinity, um, because it would solve both problems but i don't think it will happen but you look at the the xfinity series playoff drivers in 2012 elliot sadler daniel suarez brennan gone bubba wallace ryan reed justin allgaier brennan pool eric jones those were all guys that contended ty dillon the contended to win races that year brandon jones ryan sieg blake cook they were also in the mix um two years ago jeremy clements won his way into the playoffs um i believe ryan sieg was also in the playoffs that year guys that aren't probably going to be championship factors. And then one little last bit of news before we transition to previewing Darlington with our favorite themed weekend of the year being throwback weekend. But the Xfinity field will be cut from 38 to 36 next season. It'll be 31 by time, five provisionals. I hate this. I'm just going to say it now. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I hate it. I don't get it when they dropped it from 40. You're at big enough tracks. You don't. You can start more trucks than that. I hate or Xfinity cars. I hate the truck series as well. When you get 33 or 34 trucks that show up and you send two home. I don't get this. You, you want more teams. You want new owners into the sport, and now you're cutting the field size, and it's going to make it that much harder for the, these slower teams at the back to make the field. Do you think maybe some of it's the optics of you know when they – a lot for 38 cars and they only have a 36 car field or you know we've seen the truck series this year where was it 27 or 28 at kansas i think this week there was only 28 or 29 maybe some of it's the optics of it if it doesn't look as bad if we have a field of 36 cars but can call it a full field and call it a full field if we have to send one guy home but it looks worse if we have a 38 car field and only 35 guys I, i think here's your problem is this happened with the cup series it's happened with the truck series, and it's happened with the Xfinity series. Trucks used to be at 36. You would get 40 every race. You cut it to 32 when it started, when we when you went through the, 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 basically the recession and car counts went down a little bit. You drop it to 32, now you get 33 or 34. The Xfinity series, you were consistently getting over 40. You drop it to 38, now you're right around 38. I think you drop it to 36. You're going to lose some teams because those teams are like, well, now we're not going to be able to make the field. Now we've got to beat 
instead of having to beat one or two teams, we're going to have to beat three or four. So we're going to cease operations. I think the Cup Series has had that same problem. You well, used to start 43. And the Cup Series cut it to 40. Too, is the, the charter system is... Kinda, that's a whole nother yeah uh, yeah that's that's something that could really get me going i miss the days when it went off owner's points um i'd like to see it go back to something like that there, there's two things that i really don't like about the way nascar qualifies their their teams is one they keep cutting the numbers so you're, you're discouraging some of the teams that are building to show up because if, if there's a race like daytona where you know hey there's going to be some extra cars from some of the big teams. They're not going to show up knowing, okay, we used to have an opportunity to make a 40-car field. Then it was 38. Now it's going to be 36. You, you used to have that opportunity. That I think the Xfinity Series used to be 43, same as the, the Cup Series. So up that's, until So now that that's seven spots that used to be open that now you have to – not only they're not there, now you've got to beat – seven teams to get into the show that if they do show up so if you have 42 cars show up to daytona and you only take 36 to me that's a problem the second problem is why are there five provisionals i i hate provisionals i understand provisionals two have two there for for points guys that that have problems in qualifying like if a christopher bell was to wreck in qualifying that's what a provisional should be used for but this whole idea where 31 cars are going to qualify on time and then five are going to get provisionals, you're going to have cars that, like at Daytona, they're going to qualify 42nd and make the race, and the guy that qualifies 30 seconds is going to go home. To me, that that's a big problem, yeah. and that needs fixed. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I'm a fan of get rid of the charter system, lock in the top 30 in owner's points, then go from there. Um, that's how it used to be. And then you had guys that had championship provisionals or whatever. That's fine, whatever, because there was a cap on how many they could use. But something's got to be fixed. Before we dive into too much of that, let, let's have some more fun. Let's talk about Darlington and throwback weekend. It's my favorite weekend. It's so much fun. Guys have fun. The drivers have fun. But our favorite part of it is the paint schemes. Yeah. it's And... You know, I've been checking J-Ski all day because some guys have some guys released their throwback schemes in, like, April or May. But this is, like, Christmas because there's been, like, four or five that have came out just today. Um, this is the coolest week in NASCAR. It's awesome. And just talking about some of the paint schemes, and they keep coming up. And But some of my favorites is, is Ryan Newman's is fun. It's It's not great, but it's fun because of the wiener mobile and it's i think jack roush has done a mark martin throwback every single year i mean that's what it is is a mark martin throwback um which i mean i guess we're gonna throw it back to a guy and i think the theme this year is 1990 to 1994 um that's a good guy to throw it back to and what was it it was starcom racing with the double zero Mm -hmm. came out with a really cool one today they're gonna do a, a sterling marlin one yep the the gray and red, or silver and red, Coors Light cars. One of my favorites as a kid. Um, there's a, Jimmy Johnson's is a really cool one. It's a, a tribute to his trophy truck that he ran back in the mid '90s. Definitely one that you, you want to check out. Red, white, and blue. That one was actually leaked 
a couple weeks ago by, on by, by Noah, Noah Gregson. Gregson. That was funny on, on Twitter. That was pretty funny. Um, if you had a, had to rank a top five for throwbacks, what would be your top five? See, we talked about this earlier, but as more come out, it's it's hard to talk about those. But to to me, Denny Hamlin's on my list. The 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 Daryl Waltrip throwback, but the, it's still the silver sick. numbers. The silver numbers is, is what. See, and I don't know that one's, and I love that one. I don't know that's on my top five. Kyle Busch just came out with his a couple of days ago, and I think it. it I, I it's not my top five, but it's just one of those that came out a couple of days ago that looks really good. As much as I, you know, would like to see someone else driving the twenty one Paul Menard's car that's looks awesome. Um, I think my favorite isn't even in the Cup Series. It's an Xfinity Series one, and it's Chase Briscoe's. See, my favorite is also in the Xfinity Series, but it's not Chase Briscoe. Um, Michael Annette's. I and it's pretty simple. It's it's a throwback to Jeff Gordon's Baby Ruth car um, from the early nineteen nineties when he was running for Bill Davis. It's nothing sexy, but it. I mean, it's the first time Baby Ruth's been a sponsor in NASCAR since then. I think that's really cool when you can get sponsors back into the sport, and it looks just like that car that Jeff Gordon cut his teeth in. And being a huge Jeff Gordon fan, that's a favorite of mine. Also, I I love the Paul Menard one. Um, I'm actually rocking the Rusty Wallace Miller Genuine Draft throwback shirt today that Brad Keselowski is going to pay tribute to this weekend. I, I've seen Trevor twice since the school year has started, and he's worn that shirt both no, times. No, it was a Davy Allison last week. It was. Yeah. You're thinking of, I think it was Eldora. I wore the... Maybe. I'm wearing a NASCAR shirt every week here, so get ready. Um, also, another one that's great, even though I don't know that you'd call it a throwback, but the William Byron Days of Thunder car. I mean, looks just like the, the Cole Trickle City Chevrolet from the movie. And the video that they did to release it was pretty funny, too, because Chad Canales is the most unfunny, funny person there is, if that makes any sense. So that was really cool. Um, really, if you're doing a throwback, there isn't a bad one. The only way to do a bad throwback is if you don't do a throwback. Which which some drivers. Yeah, there's, there's, there, is, there is some issues with it because you've got to get your sponsors on board. Some sponsors don't like doing a throwback where it's really obvious what the sponsor was. Like I think, is it Daniel Suarez that's doing a Tony Stewart? Both Clint Boyer and Daniel Suarez are doing Tony Stewart ones, but one of them's to the. It is Daniel Suarez that's going to the Home Depot one, where it's just yeah. Haas on the side of the car because there really isn't a, a sponsor that's going to be like, yeah, I want to be on board with that because well, it's like everyone's head's going to go Home Depot. Then you go back to last year with um, DC Solar before it turned out they were a really terrible and fake corporation. Uh, Kyle Larson did the Davy Allison throwback, and it it had the trim and stuff that that car had on, but it couldn't go with the the colors that um, you would you think Davey Allison with. So, yeah, there's some some gray area there. I know Chase Elliott had said earlier this year he wanted to do an Alan Kowicki throwback with Hooters, but Napa was contractually obligated to that race, so instead he's doing a throwback to his dad's car, which is still a really cool one. Some, some of the other ones that I think I like are Corey LaJoy's 32 yep. car. It looks really good. Uh, one we Dale, didn't throwback to the Dale Jarrett Nestle Crunch car. Richard or Bubba Wallace with the Victory Junction car. That one's really cool. But then uh, Alex Bowman's. It's really simple. His '88 car, but I really like the the gold and the red on, on his machine. But throwback to, to Tim Richmond. 
But back to my, I don't think we really went over what Chase Briscoe's car was, which was my favorite. It's a throwback to AJ Foyt at Indianapolis. So it's it's painted like an Indy car, and it's that that classic AJ Foyt look. It's the blue, the red, but they painted the headers coming out of the side of the car with the the gold numbers. So I really like that. Some other. For some reason, I always like the Xfinity cars a little bit more. I think they do sometimes do a better job, but I think Justin Allgaier is going to be really good as I well. I think Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s looks. And, and the funny thing about it is it's always these, these old color schemes, like these these blues and yellows or blues and, and golds. Or that There's all these, these color schemes that we get that no one really uses anymore because, you know, sponsors don't use baby blue and, and yellow all that much anymore so you get some of the these interesting color schemes i think i'm just seeing michael mcdowell's for the first time and he's got an interesting looking one but it's it's silver numbers where you just get these chrome silver numbers like like denny hamlin's got on his throwback and i think that's the cool part one throwback that i think is really cool that I don't think that looks like a throwback, but it's Eric Jones throwing back yeah. to himself. But the story behind that throwback, yeah, really cool. it's it's more about um, you know Eric Jones's dad, who is now gone, and you know was a very influential part of his career. And I think that's more of what it was about. And it, I think it does look really cool. The thing is, though, is right now, really, a lot of these, all we're seeing is pictures and stuff of them. We'll really be on the side next. We Monday. could come back here. Well. If we'll be here next Monday, we could come back here Monday and have a completely different take on what cars we thought looked really nice and what cars we looked. No throwback car will ever top William Byron's Rainbow Warrior car from last year because no. that car just looked it looked sharp. Um, we'll have a better idea. But we spent pretty much the entire time of our Darlington preview talking about throwbacks, but, and but, I'm all here for that, it. That's what it's meant for. That, that's what's so fun about this weekend is, yes, there's a race. Yes, it's the Southern 500. It's one of the crown jewels, but everyone just has so much fun with it. I think this was one of the best marketing ploys NASCAR has ever come up with. Um, I think this is the fifth year they've done it. And it's something that I don't think when they did it the first time they realized what they were doing. And think, I don't know if it's, I'm guessing it's on the docket for 2020 as well, but it's going to be a playoff race in 2020. That is true. It's going to be... It's going to be awesome. I'm assuming the – I don't know how you can just go give go away now with the the throwbacks. I, I think it would be a bad idea. That would be, like, be a terrible idea. It's, it's run its course because you're never going to run – these guys are never going to run out of throwbacks. Because yeah, we've seen you get creative with people doing throwbacks to themselves like Eric Jones did, um, throwbacks to their dad or their crew chiefs or their sponsors even. Um, they're, 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 it's great. It's it's awesome. Unfortunately, we we do have to talk a little bit about yeah. actually what's going to happen on the racetrack. But the Xfinity Series they're going to race on Saturday. That'll be a three p.m. start on NBC. And we made our picks for this race. And and there's one driver that that always runs basically one Xfinity race a year. He loves Darlington. I've got Denny Hamlin winning the Xfinity race. I'm going to take Cole Custer in the Buckshot Jones throwback. Of all people to throw back to, why not throw back to Buckshot Jones? Um, I debated taking Ryan Blaney, who's also in the race in the 12 car, but I'm going to go with uh, Cole Custer on Saturday. 
I think that will be an interesting race because we've seen this year, other than a couple races, with even with Kyle Busch in the field, that the, the cup regulars, they're not running these cars enough. It's kind of leveled out that, that playing field where the Xfinity regulars are able to go up and challenge the, the cup guys. So I think it'll be a good race. But again, Denny Hamlin loves Darlington. He's really quick there. He, he's won the Xfinity race a couple times. He's won the Southern 500. So it'll be a, a, a tough go for the Xfinity Series regulars, but I think they'll be able to get that. They'll be able to compete with Hamlin. So again, that race is at 3 p.m. Saturday on NBC. The Southern 500 will be Sunday. That'll get started at 5 p.m. That'll be on NBCSN. But that it's. I love the fact that because it's Labor Day weekend, you can run on Sunday night, and they do. They they finish this thing under the lights. But I've got a guy that's going to sweep the weekend. I think Denny Hamlin has a, a great weekend. He's right now the, the championship favorite in the Cup Series. He's on fire. Fortunately for him, they don't really take breaks in the Cup Series. I think this was this was the last break between Bristol and Darlington. From here, it's, it's a run to the championship. But I've got Denny Hamlin to win the Southern 500. So I have a very slim points lead, um, as I just found out before the show. And I'm gambling it with the racing gods. They are not gods that you want to tempt, but I am tempting them, and I'm taking Kyle Larson at Darlington. I think the question is not if Kyle Larson hits the wall. It's how, how many, many times, times does he hit the wall before it I causes a problem. I don't think he's doing a throwback. I have yet to see one. Um, his sponsor for this week is listed as Credit One Bank. Um, we've seen them do some throwbacks to them in the past, but to our knowledge, he's not doing one. Which for him, it's probably not a bad thing because it's probably not going to look super pretty by the end of the night. But he runs really well at Darlington. You look at the average finish between drivers in the Cup Series at Darlington. Denny Hamlin has the best. Eric Jones, the second best, but just two races. Kyle Larson's been fast at Darlington. Just hasn't been able to get to victory lane. But that's kind of been the story of Kyle Larson everywhere. Um, So, again, I'm I'm gambling here. But I'm going to take Kyle Larson. The thing about Kyle Larson is Darlington, you've got her on the top. So that that's why Kyle Larson's so quick, but it's also a fine line. And if he's got a shot to win, he'll probably step over it. It's just a it's a question of when he does step over it. Is does it hurt his car too much? Yeah, I mean, you look at Kyle Larson: five starts in Darlington, eighth, tenth, third, fourteenth, third. So, I mean, he's got an average finish of seven point six. So he'll probably finish somewhere up there. But he's he's the one guy. You know, you said when you picked. Larson at Bristol two weeks ago when I picked Kyle Busch that Larson was the only guy that probably had a chance to beat Kyle Busch but might wreck trying. This is kind of the same way I feel going into this one. So again, the Southern 500 will be at 5 p.m. on the NBC Sports Network on Sunday. We've got a new Twitter account at the Left Turn Show. Let us know your favorite paint scheme from this weekend, and we'll recap and see you know, how they, they all looked at the track next week on left turn as, as well as recapping what actually happened on the racetrack. But for Trevor Mater, I'm Jacob Blair. Thank you for tuning into the left turn. Coming up next here on KZLX will be Rewind and Rock with Jim Ferris.